See, you learn something new at church. All right, so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, and then we're going to be in Luke 2. And we'll jump right into the Word this morning. And we're going to look at the Christmas story. I know it is that time of year, and so we'd like to focus a little bit about and on the theme of Christmas. So we're going to start in Matthew 1, and then we're going to go over to Luke chapter 2. We'll have it here for you also. Kind of two different passages Referencing the the birth of our Savior, the Christmas story. And this is an interesting title. We'll talk about this for a little bit. But when God messes up your plans. When God messes up your plans. But let's read these passages together. We'll start in Matthew chapter 1. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged or betrothed, or I guess we would say engaged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, it says an angel, uh, the Lord appeared to him, an angel Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not uh, consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. We see his obedience. And then let's go over to Luke chapter 2 just for a moment. We don't have time to read the entire Christmas story, but we'll look at a handful of verses here. It says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now remember, the purpose was for taxes, so that they can collect taxes. It says, This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem in the town of David because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in in clothes or swaddling clothes and she placed him in a manger because there was no uh, guest room available for them. And we know this story, we know the story well. And we're going to talk a little bit about Mary, Joseph, and what it was like for them. Because I think many times we forget that they were just as human as we are. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I pray that you would bless your word this morning. I know that many a time when we think of the Christmas story, it's something we've all heard many, many times. And we've read, 
and obviously something we celebrate each and every year. But Lord, I pray that uh, we would maybe see the Christmas story maybe from a little bit different view. Lord, when we think about Mary and Joseph and their lives and their own plans, and Lord, then we see your plan. And Father, Lord, I pray that uh, you would just use your word to truly resonate with each and every one of us here today. Lord, bless your word. Speak to us today. May we be sensitive to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just speak for a few moments. I've kind of already shared with you the title is this, is When God Messes With Your Plans. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a person who kind of does like the plan. And I kind of like, listen, you know what? Before I go out of town or before I do anything, I plan everything out. Um, how many of you are kind of planners? Do we have any planners? All right. How many of you are just spontaneous, just fly by the seat? Yeah, okay. We've got a few of you. All right. You know, just kind of wing it as you go. You know, I like to plan. I like laying my clothes out and, you know, what I'm going to wear. I lay it, out, lay it all out and I know and, you know, and I kind of have everything planned. And uh, for us people that are planners, man, it's not easy when someone messes with your plans. You know what I mean? But it's frustrating when you have plans and when you have something planned out and, you know, you went through the effort and you've really went through the thought and you have all these things planned out. And then all of a sudden something happens. The, the phone rings. You get a text message. You know, you get called into work. You know, emergency takes place. Um, maybe for you young people, maybe it's you have your plans, but then your parents have their plans. And so now you have no plans. You know what I mean? You've done that before, right? You have plans and you're going to do something. You're going to go away or whatever. And you have it all planned out. You have the day planned or the afternoon planned or the weekend planned. And then all of a sudden someone gets sick, you know, and everything stops. It's frustrating. I don't like when my plans get messed with. You know, my father always used to say it like this. He says, I'm really, I'm really, really easygoing as long as everything's going my way. Amen? Is that kind of the way you are, you know? Real easygoing as long as everything's going my way. But it's frustrating when you have plans and when people mess with your plans and they mess it up. Sometimes you have this feeling of disappointment or you're let down. It gets frustrating. You know, the passage of the Christmas story is interesting because we sometimes forget that Mary and Joseph were just as human as you and I. And that they were two young people that had plans and maybe planned out their life. And their plans got completely messed up. Not by a relative, not by an employer, not by just circumstances alone. Not by their own doing, but their plans got messed up because God interfered, because God intervened. And now don't take this the wrong way, but God messed up their plans. Sometimes God messes with our plans. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Ever happened to you? Where God completely messes with your plans. You know, that happens in life. We make our plans, but then God has his plans. 
Sometimes it's that of maybe a young couple engaged to be married, like Mary and Joseph, and then things happen. And then God messes with their plans. I can remember when I recently, just recently graduated from Bible colleges and praying for direction, knowing where God wanted me to go. I remember praying and seeking the Lord, and I knew God wanted me to, to go to Oregon. My wife was from Oregon, and she definitely wanted to get back close to home. And we were just newly married, only married for a year. And I had finished up Bible college, and uh, one we were, while we were out visiting one time, uh, I met this pastor, and he says, I want you to come and be my youth pastor. I want you to come here and, and be a youth pastor here at our church. And so I knew God wanted me in Oregon, and, and I prayed about it. My wife prayed about it, and, and, uh, and he said, well, I want you to come. You'll be an assistant pastor here. You'll be a youth pastor. And, uh, and by the way, back then, Oregon was one of the least uh, churched states. It was right up there with, you know, uh, places like, obviously, here in Utah and uh, Idaho and Oregon and, and Washington. And so I prayed about it and really felt like that was God's leading me out there. And I do know that God was leading me out there. And so this pastor, I didn't know him that well, but my family kind of knew him. And we spoke and we talked and he said, well, we'll help you with your moving expenses to get here. And, and when you get here, we'll put you on salary and all of these promises. Okay. All these promises. And so I remember we finished up school and my wife and I loaded up what few things we had in a little, a little U-Haul and we had our car uh, on, a, on a little dolly. And so we drive from eastern Pennsylvania all the way to Salem, Oregon. That is a long, long haul. But you want to know something? I was straight out of Bible college, and now I am driving to Oregon, and I'm going to be a youth pastor, and I am going to, comp- I am, God has called me out there, and I am going to turn the world upside down for Jesus. I was so excited and so on fire, and I remember I had my, listen, I had my super soakers packed, and I was ready to charge hell with my super soaker, you know? Here I come. And so we move out to Oregon, and even the first week or so when I got there and was in the church, something was not right. The first couple weeks I was there, I was like, in my spirit, something was not right. And you go, well, well, this is where God brought me and God brought me here. I can remember the very first Sunday when I was there, as I was coming into the church, we actually got there uh, uh, earlier than what they thought. And so we said, well, we'll go to church. And so my wife and I got in town like on a Saturday. They weren't expecting us till later, but I thought we'll go to church. And I'll never forget it. The pastor it was between Sunday school and Sunday morning, kind of like we have small groups here and then we have the morning service. The pastor ran out the front door. He said, oh, hey, 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 good to see you. Shook my hand and just ran out, just left and jumped in his car and took off. And I said, is there an emergency? And they said, oh, no, he does it every week. I said, like, okay. Never seen anything like that before. Does that every, that's just what he does. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking he's going to pray. He's going off somewhere to pray to get the anointing of God. And he left and he came back. And, and then just things weren't right. The things he would say and 
his spirit. And they knew something wasn't right. And the Holy Spirit said, something is not right. And I could go into a lot of detail, but let me tell you something. The pastor, not only was he a chain smoker, which wasn't the problem, was that he would lie and try to hide it, but he was a chain smoker. He was a prescription drug addict. He was racist. And all of these things, and I began to then say, I, had to, I confronted him. I remember with my wife and I, I confronted him about some things and he got angry and, he, and I was in his office and he began to scream and he began to yell and he slammed stuff and I was like, holy cow, this guy's like, he might kill me right now. And the reason you may laugh, but you go, really? No, the guy was, he had some serious, serious health issues, mental health issues. I was just young and I didn't know and no one warned me and I here I packed up and moved everything and here I'm at this church and I'm supposed to be a youth pastor and the youth pastor is a prescription drug addict he's he's literally on the brink of meltdown my brother-in-law rode in the car with him one time and he had guns all over underneath the seat yeah I mean he could have been from Utah everybody does that amen <laughs> you know well but I can't can I just be really frank my, my brother-in-law, who's 14, looks up to this man as a pastor, and he pulls out a gun, numerous guns, and he says this, this is an N-killer. And uses the N-word. He's just in shock. Terrified to even say anything to me. And uh, he and I began to talk. And he was afraid. And he said, I said, uh, I could tell. I said, what's up? Right after it happened, what's up? What's going on? He's only 14. And he said, you wouldn't believe the things that he said. And he goes, and then when I got in his car, he goes, it reeked of cigarettes. And he said he was sprayed like a million things of cologne on him. And, and so what you have is you have a man who's a liar, a manipulator. He, by the way, you know how he was getting his prescription drugs? He had nurses in the church. And he would say that he would spread rumors about them and that he ruined them and ruined their marriage and ruined their family if they weren't stealing drugs from him. Listen, I can't make this stuff up. And he's a pastor of a church. And so my wife and I move out to Oregon. And I'm so excited. I'm going to be serving Jesus. And in a matter of weeks, I realize I don't have a job because I have to confront this guy. My car broke down. The one I hauled out, it broke down. No car. The money that he promised us for moving expenses, the money they promised, the things we never received. He said he'd help us get into a place. We never got it. And so my... All of our furniture and everything we owned was in my wife's grandparents' garage. And I'm living with my in-laws. So think about this now. I have a, a, a broken, no cards broken down. I have no job. We're homeless. <laughs> homeless. Living with my in-laws. And my wife started getting sick, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, she's getting sick. And she went to the doctor, and she came home the one day, and she said, oh, by the way, she goes, 
I'm pregnant. You can't make this stuff up. So I'm sitting here thinking, so let me think about this. No job, no car, homeless, you know. Uh, my wife's pregnant. My sto- all my stuff is in storage. And beyond that, no ministry. I'm not even doing what God has called me to do. Did I mention living with my in-laws? Did I mention that? <laughs> it about broke me. It's the lowest, probably, I, I, I can say it was the lowest I ever was in my entire life. I was low. My wife didn't even really know what to say. She just came in. I remember one day, I was in her old bedroom. You know, like we were staying in her old, her old bedroom, this little room. And I remember I was curled up in a ball, and I was just like sobbing and just like crying out to her. My wife didn't know what to say. And she just kind of patted me on my shoulder as I was sitting there. And she just basically said, I love you. It'll be okay. You know, God's, you know, trying to encourage me. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man, I was broken. Can I remind you of something? God is faithful, amen? amen? I had all my plans. And I can't really go into all of them, but I'm going to tell you God is good. And you know what happened to us? A pastor from Canada, I had no clue about a pastor from Canada who had a large family that was a pastor for like 30 plus years that felt the call of God to go out and start a church in Salem, Oregon. So he was packing up and bringing his family across the country, raising support to start a church called Capital City Baptist Church in Salem, Oregon. Now, I had no clue about this. That's not what brought me out there. But my father called me one day, and he knew I was really down. I picked up a job and started working. We finally got a little place, got a little car, you know, but I was still like, Lord, you got to work something out. God, I just, I'll be faithful. I'm, you're, you're a good God. I, I don't know why you messed up my plans like this, but boy, did you mess up my plans. You must have something else. And I prayed, and I was like, God, you're going to have to provide. And my dad called me and said, I just read about a pastor that's packing up his family, and he's moving to Salem, Oregon, to start a church. He says, I think that's why God took you out there. And so when they got to town, I looked them up, and I communicated with them. We went to a meeting. It's called Getting Acquainted Meeting. We had this little meeting, and we met. We were all in this meeting together, and immediately there was just this connection. And I knew God was going to have me help them start this church, a church from scratch. So we went out, we started canvassing and knocking on doors and inviting people for a long period of time, had some getting acquainted meetings. A very, very long, long story short, within a few, within a few months, the church plant started. And the very first Sunday, there were over 100 people. Whoever does that, over 100 people on the first Sunday. He says, I want you to be the youth pastor. I was so broken and so beat up and so devastated. I was like, I, I don't think I'm the guy. I'm not the guy. I'm not, I, I'm not equipped. I'm not, I can't do it. I, I'm going to tell you, the devil did a number on me. You know what one of the things that that pastor said to me? He says, he will, God will never use you. 
He says, God will never use you. I cannot make this up. He said, I have led more people to Jesus standing at a urinal than you will ever see come to Jesus. No one, I cannot make that statement up. Did I mention he was also arrogant and full of pride? (laughs) I can't make this up. Who would even think of something like that? But I was, God, man, God had to humble me, I guess. And he really wanted to humble me. I said, I don't think I'm the guy. I don't think I could do it. He goes, no, you're the guy. I know you're the guy. You're going to be the youth pastor. You're going to be the youth guy at this church. Remember the very first few weeks in, we started having teen class, like a youth group. There was a kid that I had met that I had brought to church, and there was a pastor's daughter. So there were two. There were two in youth group. And I was like, wow, I'm the youth pastor of two. All right. One of them has to be here, and the other one I made come, you know. (laughs) Made them come. So they had to come. Amazing thing. Within months, my wife and I had our own place. We had a nice car. We had insurance, had an okay job, you know, but I was working, but I was in the ministry doing what God had called me to do. And in one year, in one year, God did such work that on our one year in that church, we had 50 youth in church that Sunday. Yeah, praise God, amen. (laughs) Can I tell you something? Sometimes God messes up your plans, but he has better plans. Very quickly, when you look at the story of Joseph, think about their their lives. See it from a different perspective. See it from a different angle. I believe there's three phases to this. There's Mary and Joseph engaged, betrothed, engaged to be married. Joseph's preparing his place and he's getting ready. And they're, they're excited and they have their plans of what it's going to look like. And then we see that all of a sudden Mary is now... Pregnant, and she says, Hey, I'm pregnant, and Joseph wasn't warned yet. And we kind of read it this morning. Wow, what a mess! But now, all of a sudden, Joseph and Mary have their plans, they're going to plan out their life. And all of a sudden, she says, I'm with child, I'm going to have a baby. And he's like, Say what? And he begins to make his plans, right? He even says he was going to just quietly divorce her and just kind of go away. Could you imagine what Joseph must have been going through? By the way, can you imagine what Mary must have been feeling, what Mary was going through when he's considering to basically just quietly divorce and just kind of go away? How broken they must have been. They're excited. They have plans. They're about to be married. And all of a sudden, this happens. And then we see that the angel of the Lord comes and and tells Joseph that this is a miraculous thing and you're going to have the the Christ child. And and so they come to grips with that, okay? Follow me now. They come to grips with that and they actually do. He marries her and they move in together. But he says he doesn't consummate the marriage until later. But, But now things are going good and we don't think about it like this. But now months have gone by because of pregnancies upwards around nine months or so, right? And so now, think about this, maybe six, seven, eight months in, they're enjoying life and they've created this little happy home and everything's going great. But phase two kicks in. 
The Roman government says we have a census and now everyone has to go back to their hometown, which means this married couple, David, uh, David, Joseph and Mary have to go back to the city of David because he's from the lineage of David, right? So they're living the little best life now. And what happens? She's an almost full term pregnancy has to now make a journey with Joseph through rough terrain over 90 plus miles through some dangerous territory to go back to the city of David. Why? Because they got to pay their taxes in person, you know? Don't you love taxes, amen? And so now Mary and Joseph have to readjust their lives. But by the way, it was all a part of God's sovereign plan. Are you with me? Why did Mary and Joseph have to leave Nazareth to go down to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy of God? Amen. That a child would be born where? In the city of what? David in Bethlehem. In order to fulfill the prophecy, God literally put it in the heart of a, of a wicked leader to create this census so that Jesus would be born where God said he would be born. And so can you picture Mary? We always see the picture of the donkey. I don't know if they were on a donkey or not. I don't know how they got there. Let's assume it's a donkey. Could you imagine being pregnant? I mean, how many times did they have to pull over to go to the bathroom, you know? (laughs) I remember the times my wife, we would be on a trip. We couldn't get across town without, can you pull over? The baby's pushing on my bladder. I got to go to the bathroom. Can you pull over? I'm craving, I'm craving French fries, you know. (laughs) Can you imagine what this trip was like? Oh, man, I remember when my wife was pregnant with, uh, with my son, with Josiah. She just craved fast food. And my wife is not a fast food. If you know my wife, she's not. She craved fast food. There was, I'm not making this up. There was one time we stopped. We were really, it's like one main street, one main drag. It would be like leaving here. And it would be like stopping at, you know, like, like Hermes and then stopping at Dairy Queen, you know. <laughs> That's exactly. We stopped at one. We went to the drive-thru and we picked up some french fries or something. And we got about another three, four miles down the road. And she's like, pull in. I'm like, what? She goes, I need more. I need more. I was loving it, but let me tell you something. I, I literally put on more weight than my wife did in that pregnancy. <laughs> so picture Mary and Joseph in this, this trip and all that they're going through and readjusting their lives. And then when they get to Bethlehem, even though they have family there, think about it. Where was Jesus born? There was no room. We don't comprehend this and think about this, but Jesus was born in nothing more than just a mere stable where, where animals are born. And they adjust their lives and they, they, they allow, if you will, their plans to be messed up by God. And not only is now the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, He's going to be born in nothing more than a mere stable. He gives birth. And they bring this precious life into the world and the shepherds come and they rejoice and the Bible says it catches them by a whirlwind and Mary ponders these things in her heart. We forget about this though. They readjust their lives once again and we're now going to hit phase three. 
you study the Bible carefully, you'll find that the wise men do not come till nearly a year or two later. And so they're living in Bethlehem. I would assume that Joseph, a carpenter, gets work. And he starts a business. You know, and it's, it's Joseph Carpentry or whatever it is, you know. I don't know. Maybe he's working and doing work in Jerusalem and traveling to Jerusalem. He's doing work. And the Bible says that when the wise men, the Magi come, they come to a house. So Mary and Joseph, they have a house. And they have this house and they have this home. And now they have a family. And so now you have baby Jesus. The Bible says anywhere from one to two years of age, right? Because remember when Herod wants to kill Jesus, what does he do? He kills all the children. How old? Two years and under. So now they're really living their best life. How many of you with me now? They're living their best life and life is good and life is great and life and that now they're in Bethlehem and they have a home and they have a house and they have a child and, and, and things are good. But what happens after the wise men come? The Bible says that the, the angel Lord warns Joseph. And what does Joseph have to do? He has to flee. He has to run. And the Bible says that literally in the middle of the night, he woke up from this dream. They take what little bit they have and now they're refugees. They have to run for their lives. Jesus was a refugee. Mary and Joseph were refugees and they have to run to Egypt to hide. God messes up their plans once again. A few thoughts about God's plan or God's plans. I see in this passage there's the assignment of God's plan or God's will. And it's simply this, that God simply assigned this task to them. God did not ask Mary and Joseph what they thought. God did not ask this couple their opinion. God did not ask them if they were willing to volunteer. He assigned his plan, his will for their lives. Can I tell you something? God is not in the habit of asking our opinion, is he? God does not seek our permission to proceed with his plans. God simply assigns to us the task, his plan, his will for our lives. Now, let me say this, though. We can choose to obey his will and to accept his plan, or we can try to do what Jonah did, and we can try to run, but it won't look very pretty. Amen. You see, God assigns his will, his plans for our lives. And you and I at times will not understand God's plan. There's the assignment of God's plan. Listen to this. There's the awkwardness of God's plan. You say, what do you mean by the awkwardness? That means this, that God's will and God's plan for our lives oftentimes is not convenient. It can be awkward. Carrying out the will of God or the plan of God for our life is not always easy. Joseph and Mary, they suffered. There will be ridicule. There will be persecution. 
They suffer taxation, traveling under difficult circumstances. When they get to where God wants them to be, there's no room. He's born in a manger. Carrying out the will of God or the plan of God for our life, our lives requires obedience, endurance. Let me give you another one. I think I heard someone even say it. Flexibility. You know, the biggest problem for many of us is we are not willing to adjust our lives to God's plan and God's purposes for our lives. Let me tell you something. If, you're not, if you do not learn to be flexible, you are going to have a difficult journey till you get to heaven. Amen? Cannot be rigid. You must be flexible. Mary and Joseph adjust their lives. I've been going through the series for those who have been studying the experience in God. There will always be in your life, if you're truly seeking God, a time where there will be a crisis of belief. A time where your faith will be tested. Where your, where your plans for your life will be altered. And it will be a choice between your plans and God's plans. There will be a crisis of belief. And at that moment, a crisis of belief, if you're willing to walk in obedience, can I tell you something? It means this. You will have to make major adjustments in your life to line up with what God's plan for your life is. You will need to make major adjustments. You ready for it? You might have to make changes. We're Baptist, Pastor Joe. We don't like change. You'll have to make changes. Let's be honest. How many of you really, let's be honest. How many of you resist and do not like change? I'll be the first to say it. How many of you resist change? It's not fun. Change is not fun. It is amazing to me the things that many times get us as followers of Christ Out of sorts. When you look at the life of Mary and Joseph, can we just pause for a moment and say, put yourself in their shoes. Let me ask you, don't you think it would be pretty difficult to do what they did? To go through what they did? How many of you say that would be pretty tough? It would be. It's a challenge. It would be difficult. We oftentimes don't put ourselves in their shoes. You know, let's just be honest. Most of the time it's like, oh, silent night. You know, let's sing the silent night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. I don't know if it looked like that. You know what I think I heard? You're hearing cows pooping and peeing and sheep and everything else. I mean real, right? Oh, it's just such a silent, beautiful night. No, it smelled like poop. (laughs) Didn't smell good. We, We have in our mind what we've created of what the Christmas story looked like. But can I tell you something? The Christmas story was a mess. The manger was a mess. The Christmas story was a mess. But it was Jesus who made it beautiful. Amen? It wasn't pretty. 
You can't tell me that it wasn't difficult for Mary as she's literally ready to give birth. And when they show up, the town has to give birth under crazy circumstances. And yet sometimes we think that the Christian life for us is supposed to be convenient. The Christian life, God's plans for us are not always going to be convenient. In fact, they might even be challenging at times. So learn to be flexible. Learn to adjust. The Christian life takes faithfulness, endurance, obedience and commitment. And Mary and Joseph displayed that as they lived out their lives. And so there will be the assignment of God's plan for our lives. There will be the awkwardness of God's plan for our lives. But here's the coolest, and I'm finished, the amazement of God's plan or the amazement of God's will. This was the best thing for them. Can you think about this? The honor and the privilege that they had to raise the Son of God, to kiss the face of God. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Can you imagine to actually literally have the perfect child? Jesus was the perfect child. They probably thought parenting is a breeze. Until they had James and Jude and the others, the Bible says, that were born. Could you imagine what that household must have been like? You know? James, what did you do? I didn't do it. Jesus said, no, he didn't. He's God's son. Be quiet. He's perfect. Don't blame it on him. He's he's the son of God. Could you imagine poor James and Jude? You know, like... Man, how do you live up to that, you know? But they had the pleasure and the joy and the honor of raising the Son of God. Look at a couple passages with me. Jeremiah 29 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. To not harm you. Plans to forgive, for, to give you hope in the future. Then you will call on me and I will come and, and pray to me and I will listen to you. He says, I have plans for you to prosper you. Can I say this? Sometimes when God messes up our plans, we immediately think that God does not have what's best for us. But can I tell you something? God's plans are better than our plans. And he has, a, he has a greater capacity and a greater understanding because he is God and he knows what's best for us. And he says, my plans for you are to prosper you and to bless you. And little did Mary and Joseph know when all of their plans were being messed up that they would have the amazement of being in the will of God and to raise the very son of God. Look at Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. He says, in Isaiah 55, he says this. And this is key. This is kind of the key for today's message. And that is this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, 
declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen? God's way is always the best way. God's plans are the best plans. And you want to know something? If we are truly going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then we must learn to adjust our lives. Amen? If that even means making major adjustments in our lives to line ourselves up with being in the will of God for our lives. God's plans are much better than our plans. His ways are much better than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. He knows the beginning from the end. Understand this, that God is sovereign. God is in control. He sees the beginning from the end. Amen? Because he's in control, sometimes what we think to be God making everything fall apart, it's not that everything's falling apart. It's that God is making everything fall into place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and have a word of prayer.